0: The professional's choice. Welcome back, guys. So listen, we live in a time where we have devices that can capture data and give us analytics. And where I'm going with this is we're talking to JJ Baird from AirThings. They have indoor air quality monitors that measure things like CO2, VOCs, radon, temperature, humidity, so on and so forth, a bunch of different things, PM1, PM2.5. Now, this conversation in the beginning revolves around capturing data so we can move forward with the right indoor air quality program for that specific building because they're not it's not all cookie cutter in every situation. And too many contractors are just licking their finger and, you know, throwing darts at the wall hoping they stick with with what With what they're going through the sales process. So, before we go through any sales process, let's collect some data, find out what's going on within that building, what we can rectify, and how we can do it properly. And then we move forward with the sales process. I think it only makes sense. So, let's get to this. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by the Master Group, and they do not charge you for refrigerant cocktails in your recovery tank because they use a service out in Nova Scotia, RSI, that separates all the refrigerants at their factory. Very cool service, so if you have a recovery tank with a cocktail, no worries, bring it into Master Group, there's no extra charge. This podcast is sponsored by Centos. They provide blue-collar uniforms to the blue-collar trades, HVAC, electrical, plumbing, you name it. They have a bunch of different options you can choose from. Stretchy, comfortable, they got laundry services, they got Carhartt stuff. So if you're looking for uniforms for your team, guys, check them out com forward slash HVAC know-it-all welcome to the HVAC know-it-all podcast recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto Canada your host and HVAC tech Gary McCready will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC from storytelling to technical discussion enjoy the show
1: so as you said in the beginning of the um, pandemic, what we saw building owners do and uh, people in residences is they just started implementing um, solutions to IAQ problems that they didn't even know that they had. So we saw people putting uh, higher MERV rating filters, uh, people implementing air purifiers, humidifiers in their house, um, and in buildings kind of just letting in 100% fresh air, because that was kind of the recommendation that they had. But we try and look at the problem a little bit differently and say, well, what is your baseline? What is the actual data um, that you're getting and I think with the sensor that you had in your house you're starting to get a feel for what that baseline is you know what is the 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 base data where you're actually starting what is the air quality within your space Is the air quality maybe really, really bad in particular areas? Is it really good in other areas? And it really helps you make the right decisions in terms of where to invest your funds um, in terms of the areas that are performing poorly instead of just going blindly and just starting um, adding mitigation solutions for problems that's not necessarily there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I find a lot of contractors are like that too. I mean, they're
0: doing it out of the goodness of their... Their heart, and in a lot of cases. Sometimes you get a lot of contractors just selling things because they would want to sell things and make money, but they don't understand mm-hmm. the the science or the 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 process behind it all. and And that's why I really want to have these conversations so we can understand why we're doing the things we're doing. Like I, it's it's fine when you sell a furnace to throw in a a four inch pleated filter rather than a one inch. I mean, because we all know that's going to create better uh, airflow across your Your filter, uh, it's going to capture more particulate because we have more surface area in a four inch as opposed to a one that that is that is fine to me. Right. But I mean, other things like setting up humidifiers and setting up dehumidifiers, setting up ventilation properly. So you're getting the correct amount of air exchange and all that. We don't know how to do any of that until we capture all all the data is it's 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 amazing to me how many people just lick their finger and guess at what someone needs and they just throw it in there without actually showing them and and I think showing the customer their data and going this is why you need this stuff because of these readings that we've captured over the course of a month or so and I think it's an easier transition for that customer to say hey our humidity is low our ventilation rates are low and our co2 is high and it's making us feel groggy and dry and itchy and tired. Maybe we should implement these things to get better indoor air quality into into our home or building,
1: right? Exactly. And you know, funds are not endless. You know, we don't have an endless budget to work on HVAC projects in large buildings or in our homes. So by measuring, we're able to immediately identify these are our problem areas. And this is actually where I should be spending my funds because this is going to give me the highest return for my health, for how I feel, my performance. Um, all kinds of things like that. You know, there's so many studies out there that show a direct correlation between the indoor air quality, specifically PM levels, VOC levels, CO2 levels, and how that impacts our performance and decision making. Um, you know, there's just some really interesting stats. Um, that, that show that, but it's not just, and, and you mentioned, you know, licking your finger, putting it up in the air and saying, this is more or less how I feel within this space. There's a lot more things that are completely invisible to us, things that we cannot see, things that we cannot detect, we cannot smell um and having sensors and and measuring the air quality helps make those invisible things visible to you so that you can actually know you know things like vocs things like radon um, that are prevalent in in homes in schools um, in office buildings um, are silent killers yeah for sure so let's maybe talk about because there's a wide range of uh
0: things that we can capture as well with the, the the device that that I have uh, right now mm-hmm. is the the AirThings v, v plus there's a lot of things we can capture like radon and um, CO2. And I, I I thought it was kind of cool because when you go to the app and then view on your dashboard, that takes you to like a web sort of browser dashboard type thing. You can actually see your, your PM one uh, which is pretty cool as well. So can we go through some of the, the, the things that it captures just some of the, the indoor air quality factors that it captures
1: sure so um you know we start i kind of put it in into two different categories in my head normally the one would be related to thermal comfort Mm -hmm. so these would be things like temperature humidity uh, co2 and pressure okay Um, and then on the health side i we have things like vocs particulate matter, and that includes, as you said, PM1, PM2.5, PM10. Um, And then we have the radon sensors Mm -hmm. um, in our devices. And then we also have another subset, which is related to indoor environmental quality, which is things like light intensity um, or the sound uh, levels within a particular space. So measuring things like noise um, to say what are what is the average noise level within a space? How comfortable is the space related to the noise? And on the light side, am I leaving lights on at night um, and what is the trend data uh, in terms of light in a particular space
0: interesting interesting i never thought about i I guess i guess lighting is not part of the air quality but it's part of the the whole um quality of of like i'm saving energy, yes, you're going to save energy by knowing how much the, the, the lights are on. But my 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 wife gets, at nighttime, she gets headaches from from the lights that are on in like the hallways and stuff like that. So I, I can oh. see there being a bit of uh, a... a uh, I, I, I don't know what the word is, but there could be some sort of advantages to knowing how much light you're using within the home at certain times, I guess. Yeah, for, absolutely. Uh, for...
1: uh, it, it, so we kind of view iaq being married a little bit to occupancy yeah um and knowing when a space is actually occupied and uh we have these things in our in our solution called virtual sensors and virtual sensors is essentially it takes the data from the actual physical sensors and it does some interpretation on okay. that data okay and one of the things that it can interpret with things like light and noise and co2 and vocs and things over time is things like mold risk for example uh, you know how likely is it that mold would grow in a particular area or how likely is it that a virus would spread based on the environmental conditions or uh, the other side is occupancy and say you know what is the rate that spaces are being occupied what is my space utilization and just based on the air quality you know you can make a lot of determinations and a lot of calculations on what's actually going on within the bigger environment other than just the air yeah very cool so i I mean the
0: the air pressure thing i totally forgot that it it spits out an air pressure reading why is that important to have on a device like that
1: so one of the things we offer is um, an outdoor, uh, we use a service called Breezometer. Mm -hmm. that's actually integrated with our solution and it gives you a good idea of what is the outdoor pressure versus the indoor pressure and how is the building reacting to that outdoor pressure are you keeping a slightly higher indoor pressure keeping a lot of the particulates and and things on the outside out or are you having a slightly lower pressure inside that might uh, pull air from outside in in certain environments and it kind of depends on where you are You know, if you're in a big city uh, where there is high amounts of PM 2.5 outside because of traffic, uh, because of industrial type situations, you really don't want that air inside of your building. Uh, You know, things like fire, uh, forest fires and things like that, that could really affect the AQI uh, within a space. You you don't want that air coming in. Uh, But in space, in areas where the air outside is really good, you know, areas like Norway, uh, where we're we're, we're headquartered out of um you know sometimes it is actually good especially in summertime to get some of that fresh air into your space so uh, the and it just kind of shows your building performance and how your building is reacting uh, to outdoor air pressure changes
0: yeah and something that you made me rethink about uh, is, as i've thought about before is bringing fresh air in to a home, but uh, like these HRVs and stuff, they got these foam sort of washable filters that don't really filter out much more than, than large debris. It would also be, it, it, would, it would almost be like a, a, an advantage to your inner air quality if we could design, maybe there, maybe there are already, design HRVs, ERVs or ventilation systems that uh, are filtered properly before they come into the house. And get rid of uh, those contaminants, like in a big city and stuff like that, may not be such of an issue in a in a country setting, in a rural setting, where you don't have a lot of traffic and a lot of in industrial plants and stuff like that. But bringing that fresh air in with proper filtration uh, would would be something that we could look at as well, right? And something that we would pick up on a device like yours with PM two point five or even PM one.
1: Yeah. And it really does give you that insight um, in your building on how are the filters that I have today or the filters that I've implemented actually performing against the outdoor environment. You know, we're really lucky in North America right now where there are so many services out there that provide AQI data and the AQI data actually gets quite granular Um, in some areas where you can see what is the PM 2.5 levels currently outside. And it puts you in a really good position to compare that uh, to what's actually going on inside the building and how well the building um, filters and and purifiers and whatever is actually performing against that outdoor environment. Mm -hmm. So
0: let's talk about some... So I I had a a question from one of the, the audience members regarding using one of your devices to 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 do a pre- prelim on a on a homeowner now i know we need uh like a like a homeowner's residence where they wanted to to bring a device in show them what their indoor air quality is over the course of a, a certain period and then go back and say okay this is how we rectify it from the readings we got so yes. i i guess one of the the question would be and I know we can talk about some commercial stuff, but the question would be for a residential company, manager, owner, tech, whoever's trying to go in and and give this proposal to a customer to upgrade indoor air quality devices, what can we use from your sort of arsenal of products to take to a homeowner, leave it there for a month, uh, whatever, in order to capture some data uh, around their home?
1: Yeah, so the... At AirThings, we've got something called a to c solution, okay. so short for business-to-business-to-consumer. Right. Um, and it really allows um, an HVAC company, a residential HVAC company, to have a dashboard that actually has the various residences listed oh, wow. and the sensors that they have deployed in all of those various residences. And one of the first things we always recommend is long-term monitoring. Because you really want to start getting that trend data to see how the home is performing against uh, differences in season um, and, uh, you know, differences in different times of the day. As you said, you know, when you're cooking at night, you're seeing different PM 2.5 levels than you would have during the day. Um, In your office, you might be seeing really high CO2 levels because you're closing the door for example, um, during your, your podcasts or, or just your regular working day. Um, so having uh, AirThing sensors kind of deployed throughout the house, having access to that data gives you a really good sales tool to go to the consumer and say, look, this is the real data. This is what is actually going on within your space. And by doing that, you're actually creating trust Uh, with the consumer to say this is not just me telling you you need x y and z this is me showing you the actual data showing you what's happening within your space showing you different activities that you're doing um, that's actually causing this um, and then coming up with solutions and and offerings that can help the customer solve some of these problems Mm -hmm. okay so
0: i want to get into commercial uh in a minute, but I I do want to talk about radon because radon's kind of it. I learned about radon back when I started uh, in this trade back in, in the late nineties, when I was in school, I learned about it, but Mm -hmm. nobody ever brought it front and center. Uh, I mean, I've talked to people like April air about uh, radon and radon is one of the things that we can capture on one of your devices on your devices. So radon from what I understand is the first most, uh, factor of lung cancer in non-smokers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's the, the, that's the, the sort of the, the statter analytic that, 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 I've read uh, numerous times and I've talked to April air about as well. And radon mitigation is something that we need to look at as well. So, I mean, if, if we put a device in a home and see radon levels are are through the charts, uh, that that means we got to do something about it. So, can we talk about radon for a minute and and how the device captures it and and, and what we can do to rectify the radon issue in the home if we sure. have it? Sure. So, a few podcasts back, we talked to Michael Emmerich from Rector Seal regarding some products that could help with the installation of a mini split, ductless, VRF, so on and so forth. Those some of those products can also be used for heat pump applications as well, like a wall mount stand, like a wall mount bracket or a Bigfoot stand that stands off of the home. Some customers don't want it attached to their home and you cannot attach one of those brackets to a home or you shouldn't if the home has siding or if it has uh, like a wood finish on the outside. Okay, only put those things into concrete or some, some sort of masonry where that vibration is not gonna carry through as much, right? And always use vibration pads on the bottom. But if you don't go that route or the customer doesn't want it, you can always put them on a Bigfoot stand. These things are available. Through Rector Seal, check them out. One app that you probably want to have is the White Rogers mobile app. You can cross-reference a ton of parts, right? I used it not that long ago in someone's basement. They had a valve. The valve was, the, that valve was obsolete, but the White Rogers mobile app told me the valve I needed, and that's the valve I gave to my supplier, that number, and they had it. So I did the legwork for them, and it literally took me like 10 seconds instead of them calling you back after they search it. And the reason I bring that up is because right now I'm kind of checking out and looking at the White Rogers Intelligent Valve Kit. It comes with a valve aboard, and it's got a bunch of crosses on the box that it crosses to, but the White Rogers mobile app is your best bet to finding out what it crosses to and all the the variations. So check it out. The other thing I want to bring forward is the Testo 560i scale. You can charge by superheat, subcooling, target superheat, and by weight, you enter it all into the app, okay. however you're going to do it. The app monitors the pressures, the temperatures, and the weight, and it's got an intelligent valve that pulses the refrigerant in to the system. It pulses, and then it waits, and it looks at the system, then it pulses in again. And the reason why that's good is because you can now go multitask. I've tested this myself. You can go, if, if there's like, let's say, 10 rooftops or 10... Uh, residential systems all in a row, like an apartment complex or something like that. You can charge that system up, and once you trust it, you can go kind of wire up the other one or do something with the other one, troubleshoot it, or whatever you got to do. I've tested it. It shuts down the charging when it reaches the target. I've verified that myself. So it's a very cool scale, very cool valve, works with the Testo Smart app. Check it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, it was actually, something interesting um, about radon is radon was actually the fifth radioactive element to be discovered, um, after four four other ones, um, and it is a colorless, odorless gas uh, that you cannot detect yourself without actually having a radon detection solution um, inside of your house. And we've actually seen that you know radon is less of a concern for, for some people because they've maybe never known about it and they've said, oh, well, it's never been an issue. We've never heard about it in the past. Why is it being made an issue now? But the truth is, as you just said, the leading cause of lung cancer uh, for non-smokers is radon uh, that's coming out of um, the ground. Um, and radon is actually responsible for uh, about 21,000 deaths annually in the United States alone. Which is about six times more than from fires and uh, carbon monoxide poisoning alone. I mean, combined. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but 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 uh, what is interesting and and what what radon measurement does give you? Um, is it allows you to detect radon number one. um, So you can actually see what are the radon levels, but you can actually see the trend. You know, I always go back to this idea of trend data. I'm talking about trends uh, because radon is not actually the same throughout the year. So you'll find when it rains, for example, radon is going to go much higher. Um, in your basement and the reason for that is is when it rains it kind of lowers the pressure outside and that lower pressure is pulling the radon out of the ground so radon actually comes from the ground yeah um it it's uh it's formed by the breakdown of uranium in soil and rock Um, it's kind of how it starts and then it kind of gets pulled out of the ground and it comes into our living spaces um and it it you know, you don't see immediate symptoms from being um, exposed to radon but it does cause cancer and it's something you have to test for and what we've seen in homes and even in commercial spaces is some states require that you test for radon before buying a house for example um, and someone comes out and they put a little radon sensor in your basement and they leave it there for 48 hours or a week uh, depending on what the the requirements are for that particular state um, and then they give you a rating and they say oh the radon's good the radon Radon's bad, and you know they, you you buy the house or you don't, or you implement a radon mitigation solution, but it doesn't really show the full picture. You know, constant radon monitoring, I feel, is is super important because you're really not getting, you're getting a snapshot of a particular season, a particular point in time, but you're not seeing if you have a larger radon problem over the course of a couple of months or a year or a couple of years. Um, And even when you do have a radon mitigation solution, these solutions work on mechanical things. It's fans that's pulling Um, radon gas out of a particular area and sometimes they try to make these things as silent as possible so it's not something that bothers you while you're in your basement and when these things stop working you don't know that it's happened it's you know there's not necessarily alert or, or something that actually triggers and says your radon mitigation solution has just stopped um, and we've seen some really nice customer use cases where they've said you know air things actually saved my life because we would never have known that the radon mitigation solution stopped working but by having the thing sensor in there immediately said my radon levels have gone back up to a 10 for example which is way way higher than it should be Um, and they were able to get someone back in fix the fan fix the whatever is needed um, and actually get the mitigation that they needed
0: yeah and and it's good because you get updates on on the app like once you've set it all up i was uh -hmm. i was actually sitting where was i i was sitting in in the house the other day and my wife was talking to somebody at the front door and I looked at my phone, and it was a, a notification from the app, and it said, uh, it, sa- "It said something about my uh, my living room is cold because I called it living room. I called the device living room because that's mm-hmm. where it's sitting. It's sitting in the front living room area, and it said uh, living room area is cold or something along those lines." And I like, "I yelled at my wife, close the door," <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because I could I could feel it getting cold, but the the thing sent me a notification. That it was getting cold in the house, which is also a good thing because I mean, I know smart thermostats nowadays tell you uh, if your furnace hasn't started up in a certain amount of time and it's cold yeah. in the house or type thing. Because uh, my EcoBee did that, that what I then I had set up. But it's good that you get notifications on things like that because I mean, you could be away and you could get a notification saying your living room's cold, like what? And maybe you, you didn't close the door all the way or something. I, I don't know. I just, I just think of possibilities that. Uh, all these notifications could lead to over the course of uh, time and scenarios and stuff like that. But I think it's cool that every single event that's out of the normal, you get a notification on and you can go figure out why you're getting the notification and mm-hmm. and find ways to rectify it if you don't have the devices in your, your house to do so. Like if if you're cooking and you get a notification, your PM 2.5 is high. What most people do is open up windows and doors to ventilate the house, right? But if you've got a dedicated ventilation system... You can go over to the control and push high, um, and it'll start to move air a lot quicker and get rid of that that air um, that contaminated air faster. You could turn up the the, the exhaust uh, speed on your range hood if you have one. Things like that. I, I mean, the, these things might seem common sense to a lot of people, but to a lot of people, they're not. They gotta they gotta understand how to how to solve the problem um once they have an event and, and not everybody yeah. knows how to solve that problem so so research and and stuff like that will help
1: one of the the things in in my house so i've got air thing sensors all over the place in my house i've practically got one in almost every single room and uh one of the notifications that is really really useful to me is the co2 notification so sometimes you know you'll go to bed a little bit earlier than you normally would, and you'll kind of just sit there and play on your phone um, and be scrolling through the daily memes and things like that. And then on my phone, I'd get a notification saying the CO2 levels in the bedroom is starting to get really high. And CO2 is also one of those things that you can't see it, you can't taste it, but humans can actually detect CO2 because you know you start feeling groggy, yeah. you start feeling tired, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you don't feel yourself. Uh, when when CO2 levels do get high. And it does actually impact our sleep quite a bit. So if we are sleeping in a space where CO2 is going really high, um, our quality of sleep can be highly affected by that.
0: Yeah, uh, 100%. I remember going to a school back in the day that had, uh, this was when I was an apprentice, and my my boss knew exactly what was wrong. He said people were complaining of headaches in, in the school feeling tired and stuff so he's like yeah you know you need to go over there and set up the economizer properly to bring in some more fresh air and we went over there with this old school sort of it was almost like this glass thing and you had to insert 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 it into a tool and hold it up and and eventually it would give you a co2 uh readout and it was like 1100 1200 parts per million which is which is high which is a high um which is a high reading according to like the ASHRAE and all that. Cause I think Mm -hmm. that, well, it it might be on the, on the the borderline of high. Cause I read a stat that it shouldn't be anything above 700 parts per million over the outdoor uh, air parts per million. So outdoors usually around 400 or so. Yeah.
1: 415 around there.
0: Yeah. So you add 700 to that you're at 1100. So anything higher than that is really going to start to affect uh the, the human right and and it was it was like 11 1200 and we did mm-hmm. some some things with the economizer dampers and we got it down to below a thousand which which helped it mm-hmm. it, it took away the, the the symptoms of the of the people in in the uh in the school so that was my first introduction to co2 and how ventilation can help uh reduce it so i mean yeah. it's, it's a very good thing to have and and um like a lot of thermostats don't have the capability to read it they, they read humidity and they read um, temperature, temperature, but a lot of thermostats don't have the the ability to read um, co two in a home so it's good to know that i think
1: yeah no and and if you kind of look at the parts per million that actually have the, the effect so as you said outdoor around 415 the typical indoor environment is going to be somewhere between that 415 and 1000 mark and you always want to if, if you go above 800 it, it starts becoming like an orange situation but it's really not that bad of an of a area to be in um, but it, when it starts going above that uh, 1000 to 5000 range, range that's when you start seeing you know drowsiness, uh, you get that headache, sleeplessness, uh, stuffy air, poor concentration, loss of attention, and that type of thing. And that's why it's so important for schools specifically. And I'm so glad you actually mentioned schools um, to, to have really good Um, ventilation within classrooms because it really does affect students um, and their ability to concentrate in the classroom um and 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 in boardrooms in in the commercial side you know boardrooms and meeting rooms are really small people tend to close them sometimes there's no air um intake into uh in in a meeting room at all that i i've seen this happen in the past as well and then people go in and they want to make you know multi-million dollar decisions in a space that has three or four thousand ppm of co2 and uh you know the studies around cognitive ability just shows that your ability to make a really good decision in that type of environment is reduced in some cases by more than 200 percent
0: yeah That's a really good point actually. Yeah. So when you you shuffle a lot of people into a a space, your CO2 is going to go up because humans are expelling, expelling it. And if you close the door in a tight space with no ventilation, then, then yeah. And that's one of the, I actually, I read or somebody told me or it came about in a conversation that that's why a lot of people get sleepy in a car is because a car is sealed really, really tight. And I mean, if you're if you don't have the uh, the ventilation system on in a car and you're driving, and you've got five people in there, um, a lot of times like I'm driving home from an hour drive from somewhere, and the whole family falls asleep, <laughs> right? And uh, and I'm struggling to stay awake, uh, not struggling to stay awake, but I mean, I'm like now I got to stay awake and drive, but y- you can feel yourself getting groggy and tired, and it's because the car is like sealed up really really well, and you got all these people breathing in a small space, so. That's actually a good test. We should we should bring a, a CO two monitor out into a vehicle and see what the yeah. what the reading the readings get to um, when you're driving for a, a
1: prolonged amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll see it. It will get it will get high. And I think what happens in in some cases is people forget that they put the recirculate on. Um, because they're, they they might have smelt smoke or something outside and just forgot to turn it off again, mm-hmm. uh, which can cause c o two to increase very quickly uh, within yeah. a vehicle. Um, and even with it off, you know it's always good to every now and again crack a window a little bit, let some fresh air in um, and then uh, continue on your way.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about for a few minutes to to close this off about the commercial aspect. Of what you guys do and how we can implement uh, a solution and monitoring for a commercial scenario?
1: Sure. So, the idea is AirThings um, doesn't only have the IEQ sensors, um, the actual air quality monitoring and environmental monitoring sensors, but we also have a platform. Um, that really helps you aggregate the data and view the data in a very simple kind of way for commercial buildings across your entire portfolio. So we can see multiple, we actually have the ability to do multiple buildings that you can monitor, um, and then that can go down to a sensor level, and you can at at, at a glance very quickly have a look and say, these are the problem areas I'm having on these floors, in these buildings, and it puts me in a position um, to really make the right decision on what is my next investment in terms of fixing HVAC or fixing certain problems within the building. And we always say, you know, you start with that long-term monitoring, and after long-term monitoring, you decide where does it make the most sense to implement solutions. And then from there, what we see customers do is kind of bridge the chasm between long-term monitoring and demand-based solutions, where they then start using IAQ data uh, with larger BMS platforms uh, that that they can integrate with, with um, larger building management or building data aggregation solutions that do bring in maybe energy data, that brings in occupancy data, and AirThings actually has all of these partners. Um, globally that offer all of these solutions that have integrated the data to actually take the data in real time and then open a VAV box, for example. We detect CO2 is very high in this particular meeting room. We detect there's a presence of people there from an occupancy perspective. So now we're going to make a decision in real time and say, open the damper in this particular room and start letting fresh air in so that we start seeing more localized decisions um, to reduce energy consumption over the building overall
0: okay so you're saying that if i get what you're saying there you're saying that air things can connect to to the building and the the data can, can control a damper somehow is that correct what you're
1: correct okay. so air things on our side we're just the monitor you know we've yep. got the hardware and we we are the data that that gives the building management system the opportunity to make decisions based on the data. And so we have various APIs and integration methods where the data can flow into building management systems, into building aggregation platforms for those platforms to make decisions based on the data to open a VAV box, for example, to let fresh air in. Uh, But also to decide not to do it because there's Mm -hmm. always, as I said right in the beginning, is there's always that balance between energy consumption and IAQ. And so we want to make sure, are we ventilating a space where no one is currently present? You know, an empty office building, and it's what we saw during the pandemic. Um, it was so interesting. No one was at the office. You know, the mm-hmm. offices were all empty, but the the dampers and everything were full open, letting in 100% fresh air. We saw, um, you know, environmental conditions similar to outdoor conditions on, on CO2 in buildings, but no one was actually there. So it's kind of like throwing uh, money into the water a little bit and it's kind of to, to strike that balance uh, in terms of real-time data to say wait a minute I am starting to ventilate my building at 6 a.m. but people are actually only coming into the office at nine should I set the schedule a little bit differently? This is just like small adaptations that you can make to make sure that you know you're saving maybe two hours worth of ventilation that you're doing for no reason or Uh, What we're seeing now is this hybrid approach to back to work, where people are coming into the office maybe on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and a little bit of people on Wednesdays, but Friday, the office is completely empty, but we're still running the ventilation system on 100%. And is that actually necessary? And kind of looking at the data and saying, I can now make an intelligent, data-driven decision on what it is that the system is doing based on what's actually going on in the building.
0: Yeah, perfect. That, that is that is very cool. I didn't know that it had the capability to do that. So what about in residential? Can we do that in residential? Control devices too? Or is that just a commercial thing at the moment?
1: No, not at all. So there's actually various integration solutions. I don't know if you've ever heard of IFTTT. If um, this, then that. Um, yeah. Yep. So there's that. Um, I'm not on the consumer side myself, but there are various uh, uh, home automation Integration solutions, and I can send you a list afterwards um, if I find them um, that actually integrate the AirThings devices directly, mm-hmm. um, and then can make and you can then set up certain rules and certain things on what you want it to do. A simple use case, so something I did in my house, for example, I've got a, a dehumidifier in my basement, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of those that it just works with if the if it's turned on it'll start to run. Yeah, um, yeah. If it's turned off it won't. And mm-hmm. the sensor that's actually inside of the dehumidifier is very localized in terms of the area that it's looking at. It's only yeah. looking at the space around the humidifier. So I've put the air thing sensor on the other side of the room. I put a smart plug Uh, on the dehumidifier, and then just used IFTTT to then say, if my humidity levels on the other side of the room is higher than X percentage, which is 60, um, start running the dehumidifier. And it'll then just kick the smart plug on and the dehumidifier will just start running and ignore its internal sensor. And you can do similar things with air purifiers uh, and humidifiers and all, all kinds of things to automate a lot of these things within your home so that's interesting to me so Mm -hmm. take
0: so you have a smart plug yeah that's right plugged into plugged into your dehumidifier and your air things device is telling you you have high humidity percent rh in the home so you want to run that dehumidifier to bring it down correct so what what did you do specifically to get that smart plug to turn on like what did you have to use a certain program like what did you do Mm -hmm. specifically there
1: yeah, so there's various solutions um, out there that you can use uh, that that integrate with AirThings. But on okay. my side, I'm a bit of a tech junkie. Okay. So I've got a um, Raspberry Pi um, okay. in my house that I programmed. Mm-hmm. And the Raspberry Pi just communicates over IFTTT uh, to this uh, smart plug to tell it uh, that the humidity is high. And I pull the... Um, uh, the the humidity data from AirThings over the AirThings API. So uh, okay. every now so... and again, I ask the AirThings API, what's the humidity? And it goes, it's X. And then I go, okay. In that case, tell my smart plug to do this.
0: All right. So do you have to understand coding language and code it yourself, or no. is it kind of like a drag and drop type no. thing?
1: So so this, this this, that I did, yes, you would need to know coding language a little bit. Okay. But there's a lot simpler solutions um, out there that you can just drag and drop and say, take the data from this and point it to do that. So there's very simple things out there. But some of those do require some um, subscriptions. And uh, I just wanted to, I, I'm a tech nerd. So I, I wanted to get into the nitty gritty and actually understand exactly what's going on at the bottom end. But if you need something super simple, they do exist and they are out there.
0: Oh, perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, that, that is something I didn't know. I thought it was just a device that we could read and, and, and that was it. But now that we can automate devices, that takes it to another level, I think.
1: Absolutely. But again, yeah. as we always say, you know, that, that is down the line your first step is get the baseline yes, correct get the data determine where the problems are and then mitigate
0: correct okay perfect so i mean we've covered we've covered uh, quite a bit here and i i think that we've done a good job at see see this this podcast here is for contractors it's not for homeowners it's for contractors to come in learn a little bit about their trade and learn how to go forward Introducing the right solutions to their customers instead of just the sell 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 mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done a good job here um, by starting to capture the data, taking the data, uh, correlating it into IAQ devices that are actually going to solve the problems we're seeing. And now we can add in automation, whether it be residential or, or commercial. Um, that that's obviously uh, another conversation, because it sounds like there, there could be a lot of moving parts or more in depth to, to the conversation than just, yeah, it automates, but we, we have to figure out how, how to do that. So I, I mean, very cool conversation. It's, it's great that uh, companies like AirThings that are out there capturing this data and letting people know, uh, because it really affects the health of a building. Uh, which affects the health of the occupant in the building. And if uh, an occupant is healthier, they're, they're happier individuals. It's just straight up <laughs> the truth, right? Yep, Happy absolutely. and healthy, right? And I mean, uh, it, there's story after story about how mold and, and poor building conditions have made people sick. And we're starting to really focus in and understand through the through the realm of business, or I was going to say business science, through the realm of building science, how we can fix all this. And, and I think it's I think it's great.
1: Yeah, and you know, as as kind of a, a parting thought for you, uh, and, and an interesting factoid, is we do take about twenty eight thousand breaths per day. We don't necessarily always think about that particular statistic, as we mm-hmm. just kind of naturally do it. But yeah. it's kind of a, a thing that we're forced to do, and we're putting something into our body, the same as what we do when we eat. You know, we're, we're putting something in and um, by knowing what that is that you're actually putting in helps you make um, really some some interesting decisions. We're a species now known as the indoor species. We spent 90% of our time indoors um, mm-hmm. as humans, even, yes. even in some places that, that people are spending some t- more time outdoors. And what's interesting about that is we spend more time indoors than some whale species spend time in the water. Wow. So interesting. it's just a, a cool and, and interesting factoid there. Awesome. All right,
0: JJ, thank you very much for this. This was uh, enlightening. I, I had a uh, great time talking to you. Perfect.
1: Same here. Thank you.
0: Very cool conversation, JJ. Thank you very much for getting on with me. Now, guys, we have the opportunity to take devices like this and really make proper decisions. And we can show our customers things that they may may not be able to see and other contractors may not be able to provide or even have the knowledge on how to provide it. So let's go out, use the tools at hand, and be better contractors. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to head out, guys. Thank you once again. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram. Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.